KMTT, Kimitzion Tetzei Torah. You are listening to the Erev Shabbat program, Erev Shabbat Kodesh, Parshat Vayigash, Gimel Tevet. I am your host, Jonathan Snowbell. Uh, the Erev Shabbat program is Lilui Nishmat, Rab Yeshayahu Bik, Mr. Charles Bick, Rab Bick, uh, from Yeshiva's father who passed away this week. Um, Rav Bick is the, one of the more central people behind the VBM, the Virtual Beit Midrash, KMTT, and everything we do here. And it's worthwhile for us to mention this at the outset of the Arab Shabbat program. As might be expected, a little, a little well-known secret is that even though I present the date on the Arab Shabbat program at a certain on, on the Friday of the Arab Shabbat, as it is the Arab Shabbat program, believe it or not, but I actually tape it in advance. That's true, folks. It's not a live show. It's taped in advance, and therefore, never when I actually tape it is it Friday Arab Shabbat. The Arab Shabbat program is running Arab Shabbat. That means it's taped in advance. And I'm actually sitting here the day before Arab Shabbat, Thursday afternoon, it's about 1.05 p.m. in Israel right now. It's a very unique time. It's the last day of Hanukkah. We finished lighting the last candles last night. This morning, we said the final shachri. We laid the final laning, the last halal. I happen to have... Davin Mincha already and said my last Alanesim. And I've also eaten lunch, so it's very unlikely that I'll have a slice of bread, which will demand of me to say Alanesim any more times this year. On some levels, we could talk about Hanukkah being over, as far as I'm concerned. This morning we even put away our Hanukkiot, as opposed to Sukkot, where and where we can we cannot take apart the Sukkot until Sukkot is actually over and Shemini Atzeret is over. We can't take it down during Sukkot for several reasons. We certainly can't take it down on Shemini Atzeret. It's Yom Tov. So there's a finale to Sukkot after Sukkot where we're dealing with the Sukkah even after Sukkot is over. Similarly, Pesach, we can't put away our Pesach dishes during Cholomoyed because that's preparing from Cholomoyed till after Yom Tov. We certainly can't put away our Pesach dishes on Shri Shal Pesach. So we put away our Pesach dishes after Shri Shal Pesach or after Acharon Shal Pesach and there's something of Pesach that lingers and is left over after Pesach is over. Chanukah doesn't have those restrictions and therefore, theoretically, as soon as my candles go out, I can put away my Chanukiah while it's still Chanukah. And then what ends up happening is that I'm left with a few hours where it's still Hanukkah and there's nothing practical. There's no Isurei Melacha on Hanukkah. There are some obligations. I fulfill those obligations. And yet it's still Hanukkah. And as someone said to me earlier, I still have a few hours to say Happy Hanukkah. One could go into this halachic discussions based on the question of Shehechianu on Purim and Chanukah. Is there a concept of Shehechianu on a 
Yom Tov de Rabbanan, uh, rabbinically ordained Yom Tov, or are we only saying Shechianu on the mitzvot that we, we perform on those days? Typically we say Shechianu when we light the Chanukiah the first night, or we, or, we, or we read the Megillah and Purim, but theoretically if one didn't say Shechianu, does one say Shechianu on the day itself? We know that on Yom Tov, here Torah ordained holiday, Torah ordained Yom Tov, we do say Shechianu afilu bashuk. Not while we're saying Kiddush, if I'm in the middle of the shuk, in the middle of the marketplace, and for whatever reason I don't have an option to make Kiddush or to light candles, so I can say Shechianu and accept the day, as we do, by the way, on Yom Kippur. On Yom Kippur, the males who do not, do not say Shechianu at Hadlakat Neirot of Yom Kippur, they say Shechianu at the outset of the Yom Kippur services, before Tefillat Arvit, on nothing, without a mitzvah, without a kiddush. So the question is, does the same apply regarding Chanukah and Purim? If one realized on the eighth day that, wow, I never said Shechianu, and I'm finished lighting the Chanukiah, can I say Shechianu now, on the day itself? So this is a question that's discussed in the Bira Halacha, there's a famous Mihiri, whether there's a Kedushat Hayom to Yamim Tovim de Rabbanan. All of this makes us appreciate the concept of time. Time is a very powerful concept within our lives in general and within Judaism specifically. Here we are discussing a time which has a significance to it, though no practical significance to it. It's Chanukah. But what do I have to do on Chanukah? So there are those people who still have to daven minchan Chanukah or still would be benching, but I'm not one of those people. And yet it's Chanukah. I don't have an Isur Melacha, and yet it's Chanukah. The time again being something of significance. Is it of significance? Time plays a factor in the Parshat HaShavuah as well, or the Parshiot HaShavuah that are coming up. Something that we've discussed in the past Yosef is 30 years old when he stands in front of Paro and becomes the Mishneh Lamelech, the second in command in Mitzrayim, in Egypt. He is 39 years old when his family comes down to Egypt and he's at the height of his power. In the past, we've described that the arrival of Joseph's family begins a deterioration in the relationship between Yosef and Paro. And this, without going into the details, we discussed as having being related to Yosef and his family's decision to not take additional leadership roles in Egypt and not to integrate into the Egyptian society, but rather to set up their own society in Eretz Goshen where they are taking care of their flocks and their herds, something that the Egyptians are not too fond of. 17 years after this point, after 39 years old, making Yosef 56 years old, Yaakov Avinu passes away, and at this point we see Yosef having to ask permission from Paro's servants to leave Egypt and bury his father in Eretz Canaan. The request itself is not 
hard to understand, but the fact that Yosef no longer communicates directly with Paro, when he used to just waltz into Paro's court and introduce his father 17 years earlier, is very telling of some sort of factor of the time. 17 years go by in which Paro doesn't see any new leadership springing up from Yosef's brothers when he had so much hope that such a leadership might arise. Perhaps he also sees Yosef spending a little bit less time in the palace, in the capital, and a little bit more time in Eretz Goshen. That's a bit of speculation on my part. And therefore, time has played its part in making a distance between Paro and Yosef. That's the age of 56. As we said, Yosef and his brothers bury their father in Eretz Canaan. And then Yosef lives for another 54 years to the age of 110. Now, if we draw a line showing Yosef at his height, at the age of 39, when the famine is on, and perhaps a few years later when Yosef buys the entire land in the, in the land of Egypt and gives it over to Paro, making Paro not only the ruler by the fact that he is the king and the paro, but by the fact that he's the landowner of the entire country, Yosef reaches then really great heights in his role in paro's court. But then it starts tailing off. And as we see, towards 56, it's going down. And we can imagine that this, this line that's coming down from the climax and going down past the age of 56, when Yosef is not talking directly to paro anymore, continues to go down for the next 54 years. And then, surprisingly enough, or not surprisingly, when, once we accept this theory, Sefer Shemot starts with, And we all ask, how could he not know Yosef? And Chazal say, oh, well, he knew Yosef, but he chose to put him out of his mind. Or it's the same paro, but his decrees became new. But, in fact, if in the 54 years that remain in Yosef's life, he kept on drifting away from the throne, as he already began, it's very possible that by the end of his life, he was an old man who everybody respects and everybody knows that he had an important position, but the significance of his position and who he was and the centrality, he wasn't a central player at the end of his life, and therefore, the new Paro, whether it's the Paro's son or the following Paro or the Paro's grandson, doesn't really know Yosef and doesn't really understand why he should treat the Hebrews in a favorable manner as a result of Yosef's donation and how much he gave to the Egyptian society. All he sees is a separate... Hebrew society that's different than the Egyptians. And in that case, it's very easy to come to the conclusion that it's it's a good possibility to enslave them. So here again, the significance of time and what time can do and how time can change reality. I've been doing KMTT for a few years now, whether within Parshat Shavua Shi'ur or whether within the Arab Shabbat program. And another thing about time is that a person must have time and a person must know when it's their time. 
and when their time has come. And ever since uh, this new year, Tafshi 9 Aleph began, I've been extremely busy with many different jobs I've taken upon myself to support my family. And it's been very difficult to fit in KMTT this year. Additionally, um, I've had some bad luck with a term that in all my years doing KMTT never came up, what was called a flatline. The flatline was, you recorded this year, but we got nothing. I look at the plug right now, and the cord seems to be plugged into the player, and the player seems to be running, and the microphone is just under my mouth. And I hope that everything that I say here is recorded. But in the last few months, I've had the bad luck of having not more than one flatline, maybe two, maybe three, I don't recall exactly, in which I recorded this year, and it just didn't take. And by the time this is discovered, it's too late, and the words have come out of my mouth, and I don't write down anything in advance. I think about what I'm going to say, but it's not repeatable in any way, shape, or form. So between the combination of bad luck and the fact that I realize that my busyness is impeding me from fulfilling my duty to KMTT properly, I've realized that my time has come and it's time to say goodbye to giving a regular sheer on KMTT, a regular program on KMTT. The Arab Shabbat program was always somewhere in between uh, proper sheer and something less formal, more fluid, more flexible, which was its beauty. I do wish that I could continue doing this. I wish there was more of a budget to do more creative things with KMTT and take it to the next level. I was always invited to make the Arab Shabbat program into something more dynamic and more exciting, but I was never given any type of time or budget within which to do that, and obviously we're all limited within that, within those limitations to do what we can do to the best of our ability. And I guess my volunteer work to make the Arab Shabbat program more significant in that sense was not... Uh, I didn't choose to make my volunteer work on KMTT. And I'm not complaining or anything like that, but it's I think KMTT has a tremendous potential, and I wish uh, in the future there are um, opportunities to do better, cooler, more happening things with KMTT so that you don't just have a 15-minute Arab Shabbat program or a half-hour shear, but you actually have something that could come into the place of radio you could listen to many different things happening, coming together, even if it's pre-recorded, but something a lot more like radio, where the songs can be involved, and interviews could be involved. And as I said, the, the sky is the limit, but not under the present conditions, unfortunately. So but I go back to what I began with, that time is a, certainly a very defining entity within uh, our lives and in Judaism and my time in KMTT was very special for me I hope uh, in my time here I have 
made an impact on some of the listeners, made it, had it, heard it, helped people hear a significant idea, even if it was only one. And I'm very grateful to Yeshivat Haritzion for giving me the opportunity to record this year. It's something that I'll always have. Let's show my children, my grandchildren, please God, to let them hear something that I recorded over several years and some of my sharper and better ideas, some of my better deliveries over the years. And that's something that I'm very, very grateful for. It is possible that I will get in one or two more Arab Shabbat programs as a courtesy to the yeshiva just to finish it out. But in the event that I don't, I would like to say goodbye and Shabbat Shalom. And you're always welcome to write to me at jsnowbell, S-N-O-W-B-E-L-L. That's j-s-n-o-w-b-e-l-l at gmail.com. And Lee Be well.